0: Hello and welcome back to the Big Church Podcast, the place where we try to make our big church small by fostering connection and community within our church family. And I must say, Happy New Year. We are in 2023 and it's been a while since we've done one of these podcasts, but boy, do we have a good one today. I sat down with Terence Erke, who's a Connect Group leader, a deacon at Harvest and More importantly than that, a servant of Christ and a real father in the church. We speak about his life and what the world was like back when he was 29. Um, We speak about wisdom and faith. We speak about denominationalism. And as I describe him, he is a well of untapped wisdom and knowledge. A real hero of our faith, a father, a husband and a servant of Christ. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Terence Oki, it's a long one, so buckle in and enjoy. And welcome back to the Big Church Podcast, the place where we try and make our big church small. Today, as I've said, we've got a wonderful guest. We've got Mr. Terence Oki. Um, hello, Uncle Terence. Hello,
1: hello. How are you?
0: Yo, your voice sounds beautiful. And we've got, uh, we've got his son, Oswald, who we've heard on the podcast. Oswald's here. Say hello, Oswald.
1: Hi, how's it going?
0: Oswald's just here so that he can rein his dad And if I lose control. Um, no, I'm joking. Uh, this is a very exciting one, Uncle Terrence, because I I feel like you're a, a well of untapped wisdom and knowledge for all us young people um, in the church. Okay. Do you feel the same way?
1: Okay. Yeah, well... That could be. I'm just wondering why it's untapped. You need to go bowing and finding, digging in the holes and pulling out all the water then.
0: <laughs> I agree. That's what we're here to do. So, Uncle Terrence, just maybe explain to, explain to the six people listening uh, what you, w- w- what's your role at Harvest? What do you do? I know that you serve in many different domains. How would you define your involvement with the church?
1: I think if we start at the beginning, I was just a pure warmer or a, or a seat warmer. That, that's one of the comfortable places mm. um, where you just sit back and listen to everything. But um, from my walk with the Lord all, all the years um, from the day I was, I was saved, um, there's always been a drive in me to is that as a believer, we can't just sit and do mm. very little and even now you, you know you sometimes get frustrated because you say I should be doing more I could be doing more um, so well what do I do we we just socialize with people around I, I ask questions I talk to people um, some people might feel a bit offended by it but that's <laughs> that's okay I, I just talk to them um, but in terms of direct involvement um. I help out at the door. You've seen me there. I greet people. I, uh, I watch people. uh see that everything's okay. Mm. Um, uh, part of that, onto that, um, I do um, with with Shumai and my wife, we we run, we lead a, a cell group mm. or connect group here in our home. Um, and, and that's been a wonderful experience, too, where we're working with people and, and sometimes my desire is, you know, you're working with people, but somehow for me, the younger generation does not seem to fit into it. So I'm, I'm always keen to talk to younger people because I, I always just understand in any terms of family, um, you know, parents share experiences with their children and obviously older children first, then younger children. Yeah. But you pass that down. Mm. You don't only talk to the adults next door or across the street. Mm. You actually share with your family. Mm. And and so for me, it's you know there's always a desire to have younger people around where you can share experiences, things that I've learned which can possibly save you from making a similar mistake yeah. or, or or going through a struggle where we just don't seem to. Feel have an answer for. Mm, mm. Um, So that's just how I've been. But anyway, more than that, um, I also happen to be, I was asked a while ago, uh, about a year and a bit ago, Um, so I'm also now one of the deacons of the church, Um, same as you, Ray. So we run around and do a lot of things in the (laughs) congregation and behind the scenes and all sorts. But yeah, so I think that at the moment that's everything I can put together.
0: Yeah, and... I wanted to ask you because if people hear you speaking and they go oh it's that old man I know that old man he always <laughs> talks to me at church or whatever yeah. uh, you mentioned the first thing you said is you just you you just exist in the house and mm. you just interact with people have you found it um difficult do you do you ever find it difficult to be as like extroverted as you are and to go and seek out people to go and speak to them or does it is it something that comes naturally to you um, to, to go and seek out people, to joke around with them, to speak to them, to uh, to make sure that, that they see or that they know that they're seen. Um, mm. I think it's a very special thing that you do. And I've just wondered, is it something that you feel that you get tired of sometimes? Or does it come naturally?
1: Does it come naturally? Uh, we'd always have to look at history. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, to explain myself a bit more as to who I am and who, a little bit more about me um, uh, that just highlights all my, all my defects, um, <laughs> if I can put it like that, because that seems to be the way it is when you start talking about your past yeah. and, and your upbringing. I was born with a speech impediment. I was born tonal deaf um and then later in my teenage years i I started with diabetes so i've been a diabetic for something like 40 i think it's 45 years now or something like that oh that gives my age away but okay that's fine um but yeah so so that's my background so you say is talking to people natural now at school Mm. i dreaded having to stand up in front of a class and in our young our school days it was giving book reports it was hours. it was all those things, and no, I dreaded it because it happened, because when you stood up and you fumbled and you stumbled, naturally the entire class laughed at you. Mm. So it was intimidating. Yeah. So so for me, I've always grown up, and partly to, the, to this day I still do, I hang on the outskirts of the group. Um, I hang around the side because... Of the way people tend to respond. And sometimes you think, well, that's natural, that's how it is. But it's not natural in the church. Mm. It should never be like that in the yeah. church. But, but we have it. I mean, even today in the workplace where I am around people, you know, you start talking or start, and, and those words that, that are a bit more complicated for me to pronounce, then people look and, they, and you turn around and they chuckle and they laugh. So I've grown up with Mm. that, but as as I came to meet Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, being in a way you could say an introvert, though Mm. I like being around and out all over, Mm. but I didn't engage with people easily. But as a believer, as, as accepting Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, I've grown out of that, if I can Mm. say. So you ask it, is it natural now or not? Yes, it is natural Mm. because I am a new person. Mm. I'm no longer that old person with that intimidation. Mm. Now it's almost as if it doesn't bother me what people think because I know who I am. I'm, I'm a child of God. The Lord has given me the confidence that I require, to go and speak. And if I make a hash, if I make a, 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 a mess of it, it doesn't matter. I think Paul was like that. He said, no, my weaknesses, that's fine. But God gets the glory out yeah, of it. Yeah. He gets the honor. So if I fumble, God is able to use that and make it work yeah. for his glory. So I've that's how I've approached life and looked at it and said, well, no, it goes on. I've got to shine. I've got to shine.
0: Yeah, you often yeah. you often see that. And, and that's something that ex- that whole explanation really makes me, I say smile, but it's not even external. It's almost like mm. it makes my heart smile in a way, mm. because I have, the, I have a similar experience where people see me as the guy on stage that mm. speaks and that uh, does worship yep. and whatever is always, you know. A, a, and I think if you were to ask some of my closer friends or my wife, you know, moments before I got to church, I'm, a, I'm, I'm in my room saying, I, d- I don't want to go. <laughs> and my wife say like, no, no, you have to go. Come yeah. and I don't want to see people. I don't my, yeah. my natural fleshly inclination yeah. is, is is internal. It's yeah. I, I want to be recluse. I want to be by myself. But it's as you said, and that's why it was put so beautifully as we become a new creation yeah. um, in Christ. Mm. he rids us of those things and so i i totally understand that in some way it feels natural it feels natural because i'm a new Mm. creation Mm. but i still have the shadow Mm. i still have the shadow of what i could have been had i not been saved uh that i feel sometimes i I can feel almost like that uh, that negative side of who i would have been if jesus had not saved me and um yeah yeah that's powerful
1: and I think I think if you go back to the the reading that we've been going through with harvest, I touched on. I think it was where is it Romans eight somewhere we yes, were uh, reading, right. where Paul where Paul sort of unpacks it, and he says, you know, it seems to be this. You know, the things I don't want to do are the things I keep doing. You know, mm-hmm. it's this this war, this tension within us. Um, but Paul gets up and he continues to say, you know, well, at the end of the day, if you read those contexts and, and those passages further, you see Paul comes out very confident at the end and he says, well, it's not me anymore, but it is Jesus in me that's doing this. Yeah. You know, so Paul was also fully aware of his limitations, his, his mistakes, his complications, and he had them, but he allowed Jesus to... Mm. walk over them to yeah. to overshadow them and to move them yeah, um, yeah that's yeah.
0: beautiful I, I encourage people to I won't encourage you because I think it'll make you feel a bit awkward but I'll encourage people when you see Uncle Terrence at church and you see him being so full of joy and, and, and identifying you because that's really what happens is mm. when you come up to me and you speak to me on a Sunday, I feel seen. I, mm. I, f- I feel present because mm. I'm like, Oh, I'm at church. There's mm. someone that's made sure that I know that I'm at church. Mm. I'm not just on autopilot. Mm. Just know that it is a display of, uh, of the redemption of Jesus. Mm. That's, that's mm. gotten him to that point where he can have that conversation with you. And, and, and that's really special. But this is why I love speaking yeah. to you, Uncle Terrence, is because things can get so so fun so quickly. Yeah. And I think it'll surprise a lot of people. Yeah. And I want to pivot into this because um, they'll hear how you're speaking now and they'll go, yes, oh, this old man's not just silly, eh? But you really do have a depth of of knowledge and of wisdom from Scripture. And part of that is uh, you're... Um, not that it matters too much, but but you're, you went to seminary, I believe, or it, you studied theology.
1: Um. Well, I almost burnt school down to get me out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, take yeah. us through that. Take us no. how
0: you went from take yeah. us from school to studying theology. How did that happen? Yeah.
1: Well, my walk was also a complicated one, I suppose, if you look at it in today's understanding and today's very positive walking, pressing forward attitude type of thing. When I finished my trick, um, uh, I did not know what I was going to do, point blank, I knew nothing of what I was going to do. I had electronics as a hobby. And I thought, wow, this is something. So so we pursued it. My parents said, now you need to try and go and study something, try and get some background to you. Go ahead. So I ended up enrolling um, for electrical engineering at PE, those those PE Technicon. So I enrolled for that about two weeks late um, because it was by then that we would have said, <laughs> okay, this is what I'm going to do. So I studied there for two two years up to T3 level, it was a qualification those days. Um, then I worked at a uh, worked temporary for a municipality for about 18 months, and then I was employed for a company called Sharp Electronics, which I think is all virtually closed down in the country. I was with them for six years, and it was during that time period that the drive in, in, in me was that the Lord seemed to be impressing in me was you need to get to know my word more than what you do. Mm. I, I realized that I needed to know who God was far better than what I knew him before. Yeah, And so the option was, well, let me go and do some theological training. Went to the church we were involved with there, went to the elders the council because the scripture tells us that's what you need to do go and seek wise counsel so yes. I went to seek wise counsel and all of them told me um now go and work be employed and make a lot of money but uh <laughs> you you can't go to college and a lot of the reasons were, were was because I have a speech impediment because I'm tonal deaf yeah. and I'm a diabetic so you know these are absolute obstacles in the kingdom of God.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, imagine if Moses had a speech impediment. Yeah. Though. Just imagine.
1: Yeah. So so that was the first. And, but my heart pushed on. And my wife and I, we were married. Oswald was already born. Um, and came to a place we were looking at buying a house. And I wasn't highly paid. Um, and looking at buying a house and my dad had to sign surety for for the property (laughs) and that. We are on the way to the bank to go and do all this and my dad sat me down, probably the first time in a sense ever, we were in the car just about to go to where the bank was and he said to me, he said, Terrence, son, do you want to buy this house or do you really believe you need to go to... A seminary to college to study. Because if you're gonna do that, then we leave the house and you go and study. Sure. Wow. And I made that decision then because for me it was almost the first time that my father had ever sort of spoken spiritually into yeah. my life. Yeah. Wow. And so I took that and I said, well no dad I need to go to seminary. I believe this is what God wants me to do. Mm. But background note to that, I wanted to get onto the mission field. That's where I wanted to be, Mm. Um, to be out there sharing the gospel, speaking the Word of God, and allowing God to draw people to Himself. I didn't believe in this educational thing. Mm. You know, at, at, at that point around society, Things were being spoken. You know, oh, all this theological education. You know, these people—half of them aren't saved—and all that. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. not quite true, yeah. but um, a lot of them aren't, but not all of them. Um, and so there was this tension going on. And so, in my mind, at that age, I thought, "Ah."
0: How old were you at this at this point?
1: How old was I? I was probably about 10, 25. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and oh, yeah, but that desire had grown from quite some years younger, you know, so it took a couple, quite a few years to get to that point yeah. where I took that step where I needed to. And I got that nudge and I said, thank you, Lord, and now I'm going. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I spent four years doing theological training. Um, I went to a small college, which is non-existent these days in South Africa anyway, um, up between Ellison and Ken Williamstown, I was there two years. In the second year, they told us the place has been closed oh. down. I said, "Oh Lord, now what?" <laughs> um, you know. Then we from there moved down to a seminary in Cape Town um, to finish off my final two years. And in the second year of those final, or, or in the first year of that, those years. That college says, oh, well, you know, if things don't change drastically, we're going to close. And I oh. said, oh, thank you, Lord. Wherever I've gone into, <laughs> the places are closing. So so that was it. Yeah. But anyway, I qualified there um, and then left. That was 1999 uh, or oh, 98, end of 98. I finished off, graduated.
0: At this stage, you've got two kids. What did I? So in 98, you would have had two kids already.
1: Yes, 98. Yeah, we had two kids because we Abigail was born at the first seminary um, college okay. or seminary we were at up at Debenek, um, and yeah, she was born there. Oswald was running around with the groundsman there, driving tractors <laughs> and doing all sorts Still of things the there. Stuff. So we was having a fun time, um, and and we had very good relationships with a couple of the, the lecturers that were there, mm-hmm. and they were all at that point, at that place, were all American, so they came yeah. from the States. Um, but we got on very well with them, and they were very encouraging and, and all that. So anyway, to Cape Town, finished off, and then I ended up finishing with a licentiate in ministry, yeah. with, whatever that means, um, but it's, it's a, a further year than a abstract degree. Yeah. So <laughs> if, for those of you who don't know,
0: it would essentially be uh, in a traditional university. It would be honours.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, it would be an honours, and then then we came back to Port Elizabeth, and I ended up temporarily being employed by it was Fidelity Bank, and they closed down. Um, you're getting the point, you know. It, it's it's, it's something. A quite going <laughs> up, <yeah. laughs> then I then I, I helped out a little bit with doing some printing for Standard Bank, that shipped out all stuff for all over the place. And then in towards the end of 1999, a church up in Berlin, which is between King Williamstern and East London, um extended a call to me. And so we considered it and we went there and, and we ended up there for three years. And while we were there, this thing about studying sort of got into me because I started listening to what people were saying and saying, you know, um, or more so being a diabetic, you know, out in the field, out all over in the far distant world, is not really safe for people with medical conditions. Um, You know, and started looking for all reasons as to why, so I just continued to study and think, Mm -hmm. well, maybe I can do this and get into some tutoring, lecturing position where I don't know, we think things are more stable, but anyway. <laughs> so, so I continued, and then I uh, completed an MA in Theology um, with Pretoria University. Clicks there for you. And, yes. yeah. and, and then the church got to a point after the three years, I said, now nah, we can't afford to keep you anymore, you need to move on. And so, with a quite a bit of prayer and frustration and and confusion altogether, um we opted to go to a mission which is just outside of Queenstown in a little village called Tilden, and we stayed there for ten years and yeah and and during that time period while i was there i also pursued a phd mm. which i ended up not completing because of financial issues so wow. and that was the end of that study yeah
0: thank you for telling us that the the subject matter of your uh, intended phd is something that i think is one of the most important issues probably your almost yeah i'd say like certainly top five six most important issues so we're definitely going to get there but i'm gonna i'm gonna leave i'm gonna leave that for the end just in case we have to cut it out (laughs) but um uh i I wanted to ask you a question more on a on a personal level um we're sitting here with oswald who's your son who's 29 um shaking his head you are 29 get over it
1: um how old is that make no (laughs) I
0: i wanted to ask you so i'm 29 as well yes um what did life look like when you were 29 i feel like there's uh there's often such a big gap between young men and older men in the church um so i'm just curious as to because i know what we're doing um and i just wonder when you were 29 what did life look like what were you what was the church looking like uh and, and and what were you doing what were you doing when you were 29
1: What was I doing when I was 29? I think I was, I probably were finishing my studies, um, my first um, four years at college, I finished that time, and by then, yes, at 29 I had two children, Um, I don't know how that happened, but anyway, that's another story. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, they asking each other, yeah, these young guys, you know, they're starting families late in life. But anyway, uh, we couldn't wait that long. But yeah, so what was I doing? Um, I think living with the mind and understanding that, and I still have that today, is what is God wanting me to do? Mm. What is it? that is important for him that I should be doing. And at that point, like I say, I was finishing off as a student um, and then entering into the ministry uh, of pastoring a church. So that was more or less that time period. Okay. Yeah.
0: okay. And uh, so that was South Africa, was that around 99, around
1: 98, 99? 99, yeah,
0: from nine, yeah, 99. Turn yeah. of the... Uh, Turn of the century. Yeah. Yes, I remember the turn of the century, but not very well. <laughs> what What did the What did the, What was the situation in the church um, at that time? That would have been before you went up to the church in Berlin. Um. So, so you, I think you were still down in Cape Town.
1: Well, I finished off Cape Town '98, and then okay. So then you. So, so '99 was sort of that gap year in a sense, in between.
0: And what was happening yeah. in the church at that time? Was there anything significant happening in the church? Or? I mean the church I, is always significant, don't get me wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I think at that time, yeah, the church if I look back and I think of it now, it's probably the same as what it was today. Okay. In a in a sense where it's it seems to be almost in limbo. Yeah, I feel that. Um, because you know, in the '99, the '90s, the late '90s, everybody was pushing the t- change of the millennium, and all that. Of course, computer guys were freaking out because there was there was a threat that everything was going to be switched off worldwide, and we're going <laughs> to end up in an extreme crisis. So, depending on the 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 streamline of the church teaching. Because we understand churches over the centuries have, there were two main teaching theories, okay? Two, or, or, or opinions, if you want to call it like that. These days we call it opinions. But there were two mainland doctrinal understandings. And the one is that God has predetermined everything, everything's going to happen just the way God wants it. You can't change it. Um, you've just got to follow God and and that's it. On mm-hmm. the other side, you have uh, the, the understanding that, well, yes, God has saved us, God has changed us, but he's also given us a mind to choose between what we want to do or not, or mm-hmm. not do. Yeah. And so, in a sense, we almost have more influence on what could happen than on the other extreme. So you had those two extremes. Then it went to the understanding of the end times. Now the end time understanding crosses all back abroad theology schools, whether you claim to be charismatic or reformist or Calvinistic or whatever group you want to say, these theories cross over and there were about four of them. Um, But two of the main ones, one of them is that, you know, we're going to be torn out of society when Jesus returns and then the world somehow is going to continue squabbling along (laughs) until the Lord returns fully and he takes dominion over everything. On the other side of the the pendulum with that is, as a lot of scripture does say, those who overcome will receive the crown of life. In other words, you're going to struggle through Mm. A lot of these issues, or mo- all these issues, and if you are faithful, if you remain constant in your trust in the Lord, if you hold out, you will receive a crown of life. Yeah. So, and those are the two extremes. So, the millennium caused a little mm. bit of panic in denominations and and church understandings, and so people were pushing out and saying, "Well, the Lord is going to return mm. within the next." year or two crazy thing. um the danger of that of course is now we sit back and look back 20 years later or 22 years later and say oh, well it never happens these guys <laughs> were all wrong anyway yeah. they didn't know that at the um, time though obviously yeah, exactly yeah. and and we and the danger of that is that we have the mindset saying who cares jesus probably won't come in the next hundred years mm. we don't know that yeah for sure. Because scripture does say he will return.
0: Yeah, no one knows the hour.
1: And no yeah. one knows the hour. He comes as a thief in the night. Yeah. If I knew when that thief was coming out we be waiting here to beat him up and chase him out. <laughs> Reference um, to But the, uh, we house don't breaking. know. <laughs> we don't know. You know, so we've got to be careful we don't get too laxed saying, Ah, there's plenty of time. Yeah, yeah. We don't know when time ends. Yeah. And I suppose
0: um, I, I see what you're saying as well, because even now your your son Oswald and I have lots of discussions about the state of the world and yeah. uh, and I I do think that the church is even still maybe it's not the same limbo yeah. but it's probably not an end times issue mm. but certainly w- we see the uh, the question of the church's influence in the world yeah, yeah. um uh, and the, cho- the church doesn't really seem to know mm-hmm. what to do about all of that and so yeah. I see why you're saying it's um it's pretty similar i want a question that i would love to to pivot to uh, because so harvest is is classed as a non-denominational church um you 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 worked uh for many years in a i believe it was a baptist church um, okay. and i wanted to know what are the biggest differences that you found between being involved in a non-denominal church versus being involved in a denominational church uh, are there differences? And if there are differences, what are the biggest differences that you found?
1: i got to be careful, they kicked me out of harvest. Nah, I need <laughs> joking. <laughs> I just need to clarify something. Yeah, sure. Um, internationally, um, a writer by the name, I was trying to find a book. I've got the book lying around somewhere. I couldn't discover it yet, uh, pick it up before before this morning. But in his introduction or his preface to the book. He, he makes a particular statement which is factual, it's been researched, it's been explored, it's been examined. And he makes a statement of something to this effect. This, uh, but this goes back to, he published the book in 2016 or that's when it came out. So the research comes from about 2010 when there was also international census done and all those things. Um, so they get all this information. And somehow I'm a little bit off with the exact figures now, but somewhere around there, the the church internationally consists of about four point something million people. Yeah. Compared to a world population of how many billion? The church is very very small. Mm. The church is very very small. Yeah. Um. But in that four point whatever billion million it was, no, it could have been billion. Now it's million. Um, it's very small. In that, there's a, def, a definition and an understanding of something like a thousand seven hundred plus denominations,
0: yeah.
1: and each of them claim that they have it correct. Yeah. In other words, we the ones that understand everything hundred percent correctly. Okay? So that's the one thing. So that opens up a big package, a big understanding to realize, hey man, Jesus was only building the church.
0: Yeah. Just the one.
1: Not a denomination. No. So I'll define denomination in a moment. So he is building the church, and today he is still building the church. Absolutely. That's why some years ago we can go back and we find in some of the Islamic states where you've got only two or three or five believers in the entire nation that belong to the church. It's, it's mind-blowing, but it's reality. It's true. But now we come to denomination and I'm trying to figure out and think how does this all work? How do we explain this to to people like us? I mean, we need to try and understand things and figure out what's going on. A denomination generally then is declared as a group of people that come together and hold to a certain list of beliefs. Yes. On the other side... We had the the upbringing, the building and the opening up of groups that were so-called breaking away from what are now termed the traditional churches and the, you know, the the older church lines which were the Anglicans and the Methodists and the Baptists and the Lutherans and the Catholics and you've got all these mainline churches. Now we break away from them, but we call ourselves interdenominational.
0: Mm.
1: Unfortunately, there is no such thing. Mm. Because any group that pull, pulls away to declare itself as not part of those groups basically forms up its own denomination. Yeah, I hear what you're saying so it's got its own set of belief systems it's got its own criteria that it holds to yeah um so yeah so that's just to clear that um yeah uh, with with the whole understanding of denominational things now there is every group or, or what um small group that wants to say they are a separate group that follow Jesus as their lord and savior has <laughs> formed a Denomination.
0: I hear what you're saying, and that's actually um, a very that's actually a very good way yeah. of answering that. Yeah, um, uh, uh, yeah uh, w- I think both of us are. We're trying to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, there's, yeah. There's a, there's a lot yeah. to there's a lot to discuss. There's yeah. something that I, I was very keen to discuss with you because obviously because of not only your your theologically rich background, uh, but also your your working. Within mm. the churches, within the church body itself, mm. in different, different ways, mm. in different settings. Um, even now, you you mm. you may not be uh, permanently employed in a yeah. church, but you certainly are mm. are working within a church, and you have in the past. And mm. so, it, it is a difficult one. It is it, it's it's not I'm not trying to be too controversial. I just thought it might be an interesting question. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, that's that's a that's a very very good answer. Um, yeah. Oh.
1: I think I think we can ex- expand it a bit more. Again, illustrations are always limited in in their full extent, anyway. Um, but you know, when you come to denominations like that, because there are core beliefs um, that anyone that says they a believer or a Christian need to hold on to, and that is the birth of Jesus Christ. Um, that that he. Um, died on a cross for the forgiveness of sin, that he rose on the third day, that he promised his return, he's coming back again, he, he's left the whole spirit of instructions that we need to follow, he went to his father and he also said that as you lift me up, he will draw all people to himself and we understand that. But he also said that when I go to my father, I will send the comforter with me and that's the Holy Spirit. Uh, with you, uh, to you, um, and He will guide you and teach you and lead you in all righteousness and teach you and remind you of everything that I've taught Mm. you. So, you know, we, we have those swings where people go to the extremes and try and argue all sorts of points, forgetting that, you know, the Holy Spirit can't teach you anything if you haven't read anything in Scripture and know what Jesus has taught you because one of his prime roles is he's going to remind you of everything Jesus has taught So my question goes like that is well what has Jesus taught you
0: yeah
1: oh, you know um, I find it hard to have a quiet time I find it, and we look for all sorts of excuses yeah as to why we're not actually following Jesus yeah and that's scary yeah. now you come and engage with a, with a, an outsider we call him an outsider, a pagan the scripture called them. Um, a non believer, and they start questioning you, are oh, you a Christian? And, like you say, well, you know, we start then offering ice cream. <laughs> Everybody likes ice cream. Well, obviously not everybody, but ninety-nine or ninety percent of people enjoy ice cream. And I ask you, well, what ice cream do you like? You know, I'm I'm Anglican, I only eat chocolate ice cream. Yeah. Um, you know, and I ask Oswald, well, what ice cream do you Oh, he likes rum and raisins. that's the only one he eats, you know. Ask Abigail or whoever else in the in the church, what do you I, I like pink one, I like vanilla, I like green, I like rainbow, I like we all enjoy 101 different varieties, flavors. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's all ice, ice cream. cream. Yeah, yeah, It's all ice cream. Yeah. And when someone confronts you from outside that's not a believer, that from out of a church that, that is not saved, that hasn't accepted Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior, and I ask you, what are you? You've got to say, well, I'm ice cream. Yeah. Forget the flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to... Explain what ice, ice cream, cream is. is. Yeah, absolutely. And so, well, would you like to taste this ice cream? Yeah, that's brilliant. And that's a verse that my wife gave me before we were <laughs> married years ago. Um, I've got to get it correct now. It's a quote, um, It's Psalm 34 verse 8, I think it is. Or oh, it's 8 verse 34. You can go and check it up. But <laughs> the psalmist writes there and he says, taste and see. Mm that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who puts his trust in Him. And that's what it's about. Someone asks you what the what? Man, just taste the ice cream. Yeah, Taste the ice cream. And you'll be surprised how many people enjoy the ice cream. Yeah, yeah. No matter what the flavor, they enjoy the ice cream. Um, and I think that helps us understand the whole denominational thing. A lot of it is about flavor. Um,
0: and yeah. Th- that's really good because explain it when somebody asks you it's almost immaterial to say I'm chocolate ice cream yeah chocolate what? yeah ice cream yeah so you have to explain what the ice cream is Ye- yes yeah, yeah that's uh, I think that's that's really good and, and I've always had this view and I'm keen to see what you think about it I've always had this view that the word is clear that the body is made up of different parts
1: yes yeah
0: and uh and I, I, I'm I'm so thankful for my brothers and sisters mm. who who do who are a different flavor of ice mm. cream mm. to me. Uh, and I'm not sure where this Unitarian kind of mind I shouldn't say Unitarian because that's a theological term, but this um, a bad term now <laughs> <laughs> This uh, where this where this universal universal's also a theological term. Yeah, oh but it doesn't yeah, matter. So where this where this idea uh, of, of of like a a, a, idea. a mono yeah. yeah sort of mono stream of Christianity where mm. we feel that everything has to be the same thing, yeah. but yeah. the but the word's clear that he accomplishes his work through mm. parts mm. that are different. Yes, and, and and just as someone walking on the street might need to encounter Jesus, mm. he might more easily encounter Jesus. Through a Presbyterian mm. than through myself, mm. because of his own uh, life experiences, life experiences yeah. because of his own understandings mm. of the world, the mm. o- his own way that he connects with the world, mm. he might he might not not understand mm. my um, my outlook or my. Mm. A- and so I believe that it's important that we're different, yeah. and I think that when we come and try and all make us. We're the same thing in the sense that we're all Christians. We're all ice cream. Right. But it's okay yeah. that we have different views yeah. on certain things. Yeah.
1: I, think, I think with that in mind, that is 100% correct. But on the other end, you know, Scripture does keep telling us. And just one of the readings on, uh, that I picked up this morning, I think it's John 8 verse. I hmm, can't remember now. can't remember the verse offhand now. But it comes from John 8 where where, where Jesus makes a statement. He says, I'm the light of the world. Um, Let me look it up on my my phone here uh, to quote it correctly because it's a very interesting and powerful statement he's making um, because Jesus says, says, I'm the light of the world. It's John 8 verse 12. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, mm. but will have the light of life. Mm. And you know, so it, it's it's that understanding. If I say I follow Jesus, we then we come to that other analogy or illustration or example is we then also. Will the, Jesus does also make that statement to the church, to the to the, to the followers, his followers, those that were walking with him. He said, "You are the light of the world." So, at the end of the day, we have a lot to shine. Yeah, we have. We've got to display Jesus in every and every every and any form that we have. We've got to show Jesus, because if we're not showing that. Then, according to these scriptures, the light is not shining. Yeah, the light has to be shining. It's got to display itself. It's got to shed light into the situation. So then you ask that: Well, do we only do that at church? Um, unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of believers believe that, uh, or, or churchgoers believe it. I should rather say a lot of churchgoers believe that. You know, we go to church and wow, we're we yeah, such great people. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for the rest of a week, we, ah, you know, this is business and this is business. And so we, society has caused people or people coming out of society have held on to, in a sense, a dualistic understanding of life. Yeah. You know, some, you go to church, that's the spiritual things. Um, the rest of time is, man, that's just my life and I live it. Mm. And so we separate it. And Jesus comes into the world and he says, No, no, I want to set you free from that. And as you follow me, I'll put that light in you. And so that light's got to shine. Whether I'm at work, whether I'm on the sports field, whether I'm at church, that light should always be shining. Then it goes on to say, Well, that means from Monday to Sunday, We should be the same person. Absolutely. The same way we respond to people, the same way we talk to people, the same way we do things should always be the same. Not different in different places because, you know, now I'm with the boys. I mean, I work with guys, I've got to be careful, Um, (laughs) but I work with guys that, that, Man, they use a vocabulary that I've looked in Oxford's dictionary, the thickest one I could find, to see if those words exist, but they don't, they exist, don't exist in the in dictionary. Oh. But man, they're common words that many people are using. Yeah. And they talk like that, they go on like that, and I've got to just say, Oh Lord help, you know, shake my head and but I don't condemn them because My understanding is they're not really safe. They haven't yet fully got the light. You know, Jesus says, if you follow me, I give you that light. They haven't yet got that light. So I've got to be around, but I've got to say, oh, Lord, help me. Mm. Keep me safe in this environment. But it doesn't allow me to join them in in what they're doing. It doesn't allow me to do that. Yeah. Because the moment I do that I'm sinning against the very scriptures that I'm holding on to. Yep. Um so so yes, life is tense. Yeah. Um and being a believer is very tense.
0: What a what a powerful debut, I would say. We're gonna we're gonna hope for the best and end this one on a question from Oswald. This is his reward for sitting here the whole time. And uh <laughs>
1: Making sure all the technical stuff is is (laughs)
0: correct. Oswald, your dad has to go soon. Don't ask too difficult a question. Let's see what let's (laughs) see what happens. I don't
1: think it's difficult. I just yeah, in terms of in time spent in ministry and even just serving what for you would be the most memorable
0: time of service in the ministry, whether it be
1: in a church or just serving in the church or on the mission field in whatever it would be? What would you decide or what would you call your most memorable time in ministry so far? That's difficult. (laughs) I believe it's difficult because, you know, when you walk, when you go on a journey, as we term it these days, in terms of the, the, um, the prevailing understanding and terms that people use now, we talk about a journey with Jesus. You know, we're following him, so yes, it is a journey because wherever he goes, we've got to follow along. So we're on a journey with him. And with that, I believe you gain a lot of different experiences. And so to say which is the main one, well, I think the main one is being with Jesus full stop, doing what he wants me to do at that moment and sometimes I don't always know what that what it is but I know I've been in situations I've been in places where the Lord has worked and you stand back and say I don't know I said these things but I don't know where the thoughts came from I've been in those situations I've been in places where I walk in it's just a blessing that's been in my life and I share them because um and that comes off a writing, believe it or not, by Tommy Tenney. Um, he's a charismatic, I think, but, uh, but that's okay, that's fair. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's wise in his, his writing. And, and it talks about sort of walking in a sense, it's like being in the presence of God, walking with, with the Lord and being his spokesperson or his, his utensil wherever you step. So every step I take, the presence of God is with me. And so I thought, wow, that's great. I like that. I've known it, but I've never thought about it. I've never implied it. I've never taken it and put it into practice. So so I said, okay, Lord, that's good. Wherever I go, if I walk in here and wherever the presence of God is, there is blessing, the scriptures say. So I said, okay, sure, that's good. And even to date, uh, in places I go in uh, other week, we had to go and put tires on on Oswald's car, and we get there, and the place wasn't that busy, and there weren't many people around. And you go, and as I engage with the, the owners or, or the managers of the company, you begin to talk. Suddenly, I stop talking, and I walk away because they're too busy. Mm. And in Berlin, where we were, after reading and, and spending some time Studying and, and that, and there was a butcher shop. We knew the people for many years. The butcher shop, we walk in, so how's business going? Uh, and there's nobody in the shop that's dead. I, kept, I come and I talk to them, find out how they're doing. Da, 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 da. Within Within a sh- few minutes, I walk out. Because the place is full of people and business is good for them. Whether it stayed good for a long time or just that moment, that's not for me to, to, yeah. to be concerned with. But what I've discovered is, is that I've progressively, wherever I've been, I've made a point of taking note and saying, Well, Lord, let's see what blessing's going to be on this place because, because Terence is there? No. Nah. Because Jesus is there in me. And that's the important part, the Lord is in us and he must He must, overflow through us that wherever we are, his influence is felt even in the surroundings and yes it does happen. Another um, place, well where has it been great in? Uh, one of the great things I have really enjoyed is being able to, call it tutoring, teaching, lecturing, whatever, um, speaking the word of God to people. Mm. That has always been something I thoroughly enjoy. Um it it just it's just it's just great mm. because I realize that there are many people in the church with very limited understanding of who God is, what he's about, and how he desires to use and work in their lives. Mm. And so we talk of Jesus coming to save us, and I ask Ray the question because he's going to have to answer me now. No. So, how's your marriage going? And goes, That's fantastic. Um, hey, no, no, we're fine. <laughs> you know, we're still on honeymoon. Um, meanwhile, I've just had a week of. Terrible arguments. No, it's not his situation. I'm just using an it's illustration. Not, not. Um, I hope it hasn't been <laughs> knuckered. But, but yeah, so then we come and we speak with these folk and they come with all this baggage. Yeah. How is Jesus able to save that situation? Ah, but they're believers. They, 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 they trust the Lord. They, they, yeah, but Jesus still needs to save them in that situation. So how do we take scripture and implement it into that environment, into that situation, into that couple's lives, that they do not split and run, and run to the other ends of the world because they can't stand each other, but we speak into their lives that they come together and they become more one than what they ever were before. Mm. That to me is what makes being a believer and follower of Jesus, very, very exciting is doing that and seeing the result of it. We don't always see the result, but we, we do sometimes see the results of it. Mm. Um and, and that's always a great thing, yeah.
0: That is beautifully put. And fantastic conversation with the powerful Terence Okey and uh of the show's first regular so welcome <laughs> thank <laughs> it's you it's been it's been it's been a privilege i uh, i've got i'm gonna i'm gonna cut a cut a reel here they co- what do they call it cutting a promo i'm gonna cut a promo for yeah. our next sit down because in our next sit down the two things that i'm gonna ask you and i feel like i won't even add to this we'll just go straight for these two is number one why call him yahweh and number two separation between church and state so stay tuned for our next episode of the big church podcast with terence okie before he tries to answer in this one (laughs) that's been good and we'll see you soon